The problem today is everybody is stuck on their diet. You have your vegans, vegetarians, your paleo. Your, the fact is, is every ancient culture on the planet is forced to move in and out of different diets. And we know it has a major good effect on the microbiome when we do that and the hormones. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. It's no surprise that our modern world lends to more than just feeling overworked and stress, although it definitely does that too. However, we are also exposed to daily toxins that wreak havoc on our body. Each day, we accumulate so much junk emotionally, chemically, and physically, and I know that you have felt that. This leaves our endocrine system, also known as our hormone system, especially vulnerable to toxins in our cleaning products, our over-the-counter drugs, and even personal care products. Yes, that shampoo or conditioner or even deodorant could have toxins that are wreaking havoc on your health. To the extent that the average woman is exposed to over 100 toxic chemicals every day, and it's having a negative impact on our reproductive and metabolic hormones. Now, these persistent toxins can stay in our body for years, slowly creating damage that affects our sleep, our energy, our brain function, and even causes weight resistance. Yes, there are chemicals called obesogens that literally reprogram the way that our metabolic hormones work, and it is frightening. Luckily, we're going to be talking about that today. See, detoxing our body and hormones is an absolute must. And it's one of the areas that gets overlooked by most doctors. I mean, have you had your doctor ask you if you should be reducing your toxic load? Probably not. But not the doctor that I'm bringing on to the podcast today. Dr. Dan Pompa understands that hormonal imbalance is a downstream issue caused by toxins and stressors. And he has spent the bulk of his career looking into these major root causes for hormone disruptions and also addressing these root causes head on. Not only are we going to be talking about root causes today and how to tackle those, but we are going to be talking about a powerful lifestyle technique that we, you and I, can begin to implement that can make a world of difference for our hormones and, most importantly, our energy levels so that we are living our best life. But before we get into this conversation around hormone optimization today, I want to take a moment and share a wonderful little gift that I created for this show that I know you are going to love. Since we are talking about reducing our toxic load today for optimizing our hormones, I have created a detox blend cheat sheet with detox recipes and food recipes to set you up for success. This easy cheat sheet has my favorite recipes for supporting your liver, your brain, and your gut. And as you know, those are major organs and systems that we need to make sure that we are clearing the gunk of so that they are functioning properly. Now these blends and recipes are recipes that I use every single day to support my hormone function. And best of all, they are so easy to integrate because I don't know about you, but I love ease and grace all the time, like every single day. So if you want to grab these beautiful recipes, be sure to go to the show notes for this episode, which is episode 118. There you can grab the cheat sheet or you can go to Dr. Marisa 
dot com slash detox blends. That's drmarisa.com slash detox blends. You can get the little cheat sheet and start making those blends and start incorporating those beautiful recipes into your everyday life, particularly into your self-care. Now I want to take a moment and celebrate you. You know how much I love to celebrate your wins. And one particular healing rock star that we are focusing on today is Cheryl Flores. And I'm excited to shout out her win that she shared with me on Facebook just a couple days ago. Here is what Cheryl had to say. Dr. Marisa, your podcast gave me courage to finally diagnose my Hajimoto's. It took eight years and six practitioners to finally be taken seriously. For so long, I thought it was in my head that my weight was only because of the way that I ate and not my hormones too. I felt a lot of shame for being tired and overweight all the time, and I beat myself up. Your episodes on thyroid tests and healing finally helped me to get the diagnosis that I felt I had all along. Please, please keep sharing with us because there are so many more women just like me. Well, Cheryl, I can't tell you. I know how vulnerable it is to share something like that, and I just want you to to know that you are absolutely a woman after my own heart. Thank you so much for sharing your big win to finally getting the diagnosis and the answers that you have been looking for. I am holding space that you are going to get your body back on track. I know the Hajimoto's journey myself so well. And as a token of my appreciation for reaching out and sharing this with me, I would love to gift you a signed copy of my book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution. Part three of this book really supported my Hajimoto's journey, and I would love it if it helped you too. So just reach back out to me on Facebook or find me on Instagram too, at Dr. Marisa. Now, if you are listening, which I hope you are, welcome to the show. This podcast is all about empowerment. If this podcast or any of these episodes have helped you in any way, I would love to shout you out too. You can reach out to me via Instagram, Facebook, or simply review this podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you love to plug into. It may be it may be Stitcher, it may be Google Play, whatever, getting where you fit in. The reason why I want you to share your story is it gives other women hope. It opens the door for what's possible. And when that happens is we can continue to support women who are ready not only to step into healing their bodies, but also becoming the CEO of their health. And speaking of CEO of their health, I don't know if you if you heard last episode, my last episode I actually shared with you, which was with Elena Brower, one of my dearest friends, which is a fabulous woman, but I shared with you in the intro that we have a community hashtag, and I'm so excited about this. The community hashtag is HealthCEO. One, it's super easy to remember, but what I would love is for you to start using it either on Instagram, wherever feels good to you, so that we can begin to find our community, that we can connect and open the door for true healing miracles. And so I just wanted to share that with you. I'm going to keep on sharing it so we can still use it. I'm using it as a hashtag right now. I've been using it for the last couple of of weeks now so that you know where I'm at. You can see some of my posts, recipes, and fun things that I've got going on. I hope to really get to connecting with you and to see what you've got going on as well. Well, let's jump into this amazing conversation with Dr. Dan Pompa. First, before we do this, I just want to introduce you to him so that you know what he is all about. Dr. Dan Pompa's multifaceted approach to cellular healing leads practitioners and the public through proper detox, fasting implementations, and diet variation strategies, all while addressing root cause upstream toxicity. 
Dr. Dan Pompa is the author of the book Beyond Fasting, A True Cellular Solution to a New You, which includes a step-by-step plan to become fat-adapted, balance hormones, and increase energy, all while addressing health issues that have been holding you back from your healthiest life possible. Well, I don't know about you, but that book sounds pretty amazing. Let's welcome Dr. Dan Pompa. Welcome to the Essential You Podcast, Dr. Dan Pompa. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, considering I just got done telling you the story that my son broke his back 10 days ago, but he's living and he's not paralyzed, so he's going to recover. I am so happy to hear that. And I know that he's finally home. And I bet that feels really good to have him back back home out of the hospital where you can do yeah. your magic. Yeah, no doubt. We, we are doing a lot of magic. I mean, they said he probably wouldn't even be able to put any weight on his spine for at least six weeks. And we're about 11 days out and he was actually sitting up and I made him go back down. But the point is he's, re- he's recovering way faster. And no surprise with all the tools you've got in your tool belt. And that's what I just love about functional medicine is that we know that the body can heal. We, you know, the body is ripe for healing miracles. And if you give it the right tools, we can really make powerful strides. And I think what you're seeing is you're going to see a lot of miracles with your son in the next several weeks. Yeah, yeah there's no doubt. We're expecting it. We have thousands of people praying. Honestly, it's been absolutely remarkable because of my wife's Facebook post, mine, and you can see my last two posts about it on my Facebook and uh, pretty amazing story actually already. I'm so happy to hear that. Well, we're going to be switching gears, but I am so grateful not only to have you, especially during a time where I'm sure that it's put your, your family under so much strain, but you know, I love that we're having your expertise on here. We're talking about optimizing hormones. And that's literally what this podcast is all about. So you are in the right place. But specifically, we're going to be talking about weight loss resistance, which is a major topic that comes up a lot here. Thyroid challenges, which I can speak to myself as someone who's dealt with those, and also perimenopausal symptoms. And to be honest, so many women that I see, and probably that you see as well, are dealing with all three at once. And usually around perimenopause, we start to see weight loss resistance. We start to see thyroid challenges. As I'm looking at more and more of the literature, I feel like we're at a time and a place in this toxic world where the thyroid, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when is it going to start to struggle. And I'm sure you have seen that as well. So tell us first before we get into this is I want to know more about you. And I know I, know I want everyone to know more about you. So tell me about your journey and how you became known as a really incredible detox specialist. You know, it wasn't, uh, I didn't choose it. It chose me. I, I got very sick myself. Pain to purpose has, you know, been my life of just what I'm going through with my son. But yeah, you know, I got sick unexplainably, started with fatigue like so many, and then it went to insomnia, panic attacks. My thyroid, of course, was, you know, my hair started thinning. I mean, all these thyroid symptoms appeared out of nowhere. Adrenals were so shot, I couldn't even watch a movie. It was like just too exciting. I couldn't handle it. I mean, literally loud noises, kids crying. I mean, I I remember watching a football game with uh, my neighbors. I'm no big football fan and I I couldn't handle the excitement. I literally kept having to leave the room because I'd get anxiety. So, I mean, it went from that to even more bizarre, honestly, symptoms. I, I mean, I became allergic to everything I was eating. Of course, like many, I 
with up food allergies, tracking this, eliminating this, you know, none of it worked long term. And to make a really long story short, uh, you know, I ended up coming across a condition named Mad Hatter's disease. And I had every symptom. And these people were making felt hats using mercury. And uh, they were acutely poisoned by mercury. And so I got a blood test done. And unfortunately, it was negative, uh, normal range of mercury. And it was probably another year or so later that I made good friends with a very bright endocrinologist, uh, amazing thyroid expert, because I was downstream trying to help my hormones, right? My adrenal, my thyroid. And he said, you know, Dan, I think you have mercury toxicity. And I was like, I thought so too. I, you know, I did a blood test. He said, well, wrong test. I think you have chronic mercury toxicity. If you had mad hatter's disease, that would be acute, meaning you're getting exposed every day. Like consistently, it would be in the blood. It would yes. be in the blood, but I think it's in your tissue from past exposures. And as it turned out, he was right. I, I did a challenge test where you challenge it out of the tissue and then measure it in the urine. And it was high. And then, of course, I asked, well, what do you think I got it? And he said, well, did you do have any dental work done around when the symptoms began? And as it turned out, I did. I had two silver amalgam fillings removed, which contained 50% mercury, which, by the way, is your thyroid's a magnet for that. So if you have these fillings in, I mean, it's just a matter of when, as you put it, that the thyroid will malfunction. And it just zaps your adrenals. But um, and it goes right up into the pituitary study show. So these fillings contain 50% mercury. Most of it goes in the pituitary hypothalamus, which controls your hormones, your thyroid, your adrenal, and your whole hormones. And it's funny because at a certain point, I realized I'm downstream playing around with my thyroid and my adrenals. And you know some things got a little better, but ultimately, I said, something's wrong with the control top of the pituitary. I just didn't know what. And when I would address that, just wasn't working either. And only to realize as I started reading studies that when you have these fillings, and I also wore contact lenses in the 80s and 90s, which early 90s, that had uh, thimerosal in it, which contains mercury. So I, I had you know other exposures throughout my life, including my mom who had silver fillings, which is a big exposure. Uh, there's a study called the Jarash study. Ladies, the number of fillings in your mouth is proportional on autopsies. And how much is in the baby's brain. So of course, that's where my first exposure was. But the bottom line is, is that mercury ends up in that pituitary. And I, I just knew there was something wrong there. I just didn't know what. So a lot of what I teach today came out of, I would say most of what I teach today came out of that battle. You know, I, I got the mercury out of my brain. I got it out of my pituitary. And eventually, you know, my thyroid, my adrenals, all my hormones normalized. And so healthier today at 54 than honestly I've been in my life, but it was a journey and it was some years. Mm, absolutely. Well, we talk, I talk a lot about root causes here. We're talking about upstream, right? What's the real root cause? You know, your thyroid, there's a quote that I share a lot and it, if, the, if the flower isn't blooming, it's not the flower. We have to look at the environment, right? So if the thyroid or the adrenals aren't functioning, probably not them. It's probably something going on in the environment. So those root causes, and one of the root causes that always makes the list is heavy metals, including that. And some of, sometimes it's self-infections, you know, and so I know you've probably looked at a lot of those things too, but toxicity, endocrine disruptors, heavy metals play a huge role on the dysfunction of our endocrine system. And that's a lot of what you're seeing. I take it is that 
although we're addressing these downstream hormones and even more so I, you know, so many times we, I have the conversation and women have been told, well, I need to work on my estrogen and my progesterone and testosterone. But I always think about those upstream hormones like insulin, thyroid, and cortisol before. And then if there, if there's an issue there, well, what's causing the issue of those, right? So keep on going more upstream. In, in the place of, of toxicity or even heavy metal toxicity, how often are you finding that, that those two things are playing a big role in some of the root cause of what we're seeing with women? You know, you know, one of the things we see when we have this hormone dysregulation that occurs, it's a perfect storm, you know, meaning that even in my story, the mercury set my bucket overflowing. I imagine we all have a bucket, right? I mean, just making it simple. Genetically, some of us bigger buckets and smaller buckets, right? But it's really a stress bucket. Physical, chemical, and emotional stressors fill that bucket. The body really doesn't know the difference. And we put all of these together and then the bucket overflows. And that's what happened to me. And when I got the fillings out, it just poured mercury into my system and overflowed. But looking back, you know, I could tell I had some toxic things going on, you know, but you have to empty the bucket to get well. And, and it's typically a perfect storm that creates this hormone dysregulation. So what I mean by that is if you remember the movie, you have three weather fronts come together and it's this catastrophic storm that takes place one in a hundred years and, you know, creates all this uh, damage, et cetera. But that's what's happening in, in people today. We have chemical stressors, maybe two chemical heavy metals, hidden infections, maybe a mold exposure. You know, that's a perfect storm. So you have to get rid of all of those. You have to identify all these upstream causative factors. Maybe it's emotional traumas you've had you have to deal with. That can be part of that perfect storm that Absolutely. you're dealing with it. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get this other chemical exposure. You know, you move into a house that's moldy and you don't see mold, you don't know, and it, that sends you over the edge. But to get well, you have to deal with the emotional traumas. You have to deal with the mold. And then, oh, and by the way, you had fillings your whole life. So if you had silver fillings, you have mercury in your brain. It was just waiting for that one more stress. You know, maybe it was your, you know, spouse leaving you that was the emotional stress, or maybe it was the mold. Whatever it is, it's that stressors come together and you were an accident waiting to happen. And then boom, you know, it, you, you break through. So how do we deal with this? Uh, we get rid of all the stressors whether it's physical, chemical, emotional, we empty the stress bucket at the cellular level because traumas are stored at the cell, uh, past traumas. Chemicals, it's at the cell. So you can do all of the colon cleanses, liver cleanses, saunas you want, and all those things are fine. I don't even, I'm not against them. But unless you upregulate cell function, and that's really where detox is, and that's what I teach, you're not going to get well-lasting. Real detox is getting the cell to do what it should be doing every day. It has the ability to get rid of toxins every day. And if, unless you upregulate that, you're not going to get well. So my saying is you have to fix the cell to get well. You have to fix the cell to get your hormones well. And more specifically, you have to detox the cell. Disease is cellular. A lot of us don't talk enough about what it looks like on a cellular level to upregulate and help detox that cell. So talk to me about... Because clearly, I mean, we think about, you know, I've had experts just talk about mold toxicity. I've had experts just come on and talk about heavy metals. I've had experts just talk about parasites. 
you know, we break down all the pieces and then, you know, trauma is a whole nother ball game, you know? And so tell, talk to me about when we're looking at a cellular level, where, where do we begin to start? You know, there's a lot of different strategies and techniques people are trying to implement, you know, from a bigger picture, even in terms of nutrition, but how do we begin to, to reset on a cellular level? I was giving these lectures to doctors um, for some years and I could just tell they, they just weren't getting it, at least a takeaway. And I'm telling you, God gave me a download of what I call the five R's of cellular healing and detox. And it's a roadmap to the question you just asked, where do you start? Number one, R number one is you have to remove the sources in your life. In other words, I wouldn't have, I could do all the detox I wanted, even the right way. If I still had silver fillings in, I'm not getting the mercury out of my brain, right? So those had to come out correctly in a process. And I teach that if you don't move out of the moldy home, right? I mean, you're only going to get so well, right? I mean, so you get the point. Um, R number two is regenerating cell membranes. Critical. Scientists get this. You don't detox without fixing these cell membranes that allow the good stuff in and the bad stuff out that help change your gene expression. I mean, I, I do a whole lecture on the cell membrane and it determines all of your cell functions. That important. R number three is an epidemic today. You have to restore cellular energy. And how many people have mitochondria? That's where we make energy. Mitochondrial dysfunction because of toxins and other stressors. So we have to restore that cell energy. And of course, I, I teach many strategies there, but yet you have to do that. Diet plays a role there. We'll talk more about fasting. That plays a role here, you know, of like some biohacks, how to get that energy up in the cell so we can actually detox the cell and, and heal it. And R4 is reducing the cell, uh, cellular inflammation. Again, diet, fasting strategies, and the cellular detox plays a role there. And R5, lastly, is reestablishing something called methylation. By the way, it's how you get rid of toxic hormones. It's how your body detoxes. So if you have a lot of cell toxicity, you deplete methylation. And now you start building up toxic hormones in your body. Happened to my wife. My wife, we did a 24-hour hormone test on her. And her methylation was tanked and her toxic hormones that drive cancer were extremely elevated like her mother who ended up dying of cancer. And so, of course, we were trying to get up this methylation in her body and it just wasn't coming up on post-test. And then we discovered she had extremely high lead levels that she got from her mother. The number one cause of high lead is mom. You inherit it literally in utero. So she was going to end up just like her mother, unless we did something different. As we got rid of her lead, her methylation now was able to start coming up. So again, get to the cause. And then, yes, we can support hormones. I'm not against you know, using some hormone support. I'm not. But just understand, it's not the long-term solution to getting somebody well. I wasn't going to be able to reestablish her methylation until I got rid of the lead. But anyways, those are the five R's of what we need to do to the cell to actually upregulate the cell's detox pathways, to get the cell fixed. So therefore, oh, listen, hormone problems are cell problems. The receptors to the hormones are on the cell membranes. So unless you fix that membrane, which is R number two, you're not going to fix the hormone problems, but the toxins make their way in and around those membranes, and they blunt those receptors. So you're taking all of these hormones, which my wife was trying to do that as well, uh, you feel a little better, but you're not getting well. It's because the receptor to the hormone, meaning that the hormone has to connect to the cell, get its message in the cell, so you feel good. When these receptors are blunted, 
that's not going to happen. So it's like scream at your kids. They just don't hear you after a while. So it doesn't matter if you take more hormones, the cells don't hear you anyway. So that's the battle. That is definitely the battle. And I agree. I mean, especially if you've got somebody and you can speak to this with the thyroid issues. I mean, I think that people are put on thyroid medications. They're not getting to the root cause of the situation. I do believe that getting on thyroid meds, is definitely going to be that bridge to getting yourself back, but that's not solving the problem. Medication isn't going to heal your thyroid, but it's going to at least give you the thyroid hormone that you need for your cells. Problem is, is if we've got a cellular membrane, a phospholipid mosaic issue, I always, you know, I was, I remember my first biology class in college and I had the, oh my gosh, this biology teacher who the miracle of the cell. And I mean, the miracle of the phospholayer mosaic, she would spend hours lecturing on the mosaic of proteins and ion channels and the phospholipids. And, and it's the life of the cell. It is. It's the it communication is. center. It is literally Houston. And we always think maybe Houston is the nucleus, but it's not. It's what's binding to that cell membrane that elicits a change or elicits a signal to the nucleus to create those proteins. So without that, that cell membrane sending messages inside and outside of the cell, we don't elicit those changes inside of the cell. No, the key, I mean, if people always say, what's one thing you have to do to improve your hormones? Fix your membranes. Fix your <laughs> um, membranes. I mean, it, it's easier said than done. I mean, it uh, is. You know, a lot of the fats that people uh, think are really important today really aren't important with the cell membrane, like fish oil. Fish oil isn't really the key to the cell membrane. It's omega-6, actually. We're vegetable oils, canola oils, grain-fed meat have rancid, bad omega-6, and so we're taking in the wrong omega-6 and the omega-6 is what stabilizes the function of the membrane. So we have to get rid of all of those bad omega-6 and bring in good ones, which is really hard. So fish oil, you know, isn't the key here. It, it is these omega-6s that are so fragile and so critical to establishing things like cholesterol and saturated fat. Everyone thinks they're bad. They're actually the stabilizing factors of the membrane. So there's all these misconceptions around the membrane. You know, people don't understand that it is the intelligence in the cell. Bruce Lipton, many people watching this, uh, maybe have read his book, Biology of Belief. I've been in many lectures with Bruce Lipton. Yeah. I, I mean, he made the argument. It's the membrane is the most, that's where the intelligence of your whole body is. You know, it's like every gene that gets turned on or off, it's determined by the membrane. Detox is determined by the membrane. I mean, you know, so if we're going to have going to have a hormone optimization conversation, we have to talk about the cell membrane. But I mean, it's like I don't even want to get into it because it will bore people with the science. I, you know, I've done many articles on this, and I, I this is something that you just have to go. Okay, cell membrane. Papa said it's so important. I'm going to educate myself about this. You know, go to my website, but. There's so much more to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and here, the main takeaway in this first part of that conversation is it's it's the cell that we need to focus on. And we need to make sure that the cell is is has its integrity. And we need to focus on that cellular energy, making sure that we don't have mitochondrial dysfunction, like making sure that the mitochondria is functioning as well. I always think about one of my favorite toxin excerpts is Laura Adler, and she talks about how there are three ways that, that we manage toxins, and it's basically avoidance, 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 right? And so you talked about that. If you've got a moldy home, 
you either figure that out or you move out of that house. If you've got if you've got mercury so you know fillings, you've got to have an appropriate way or work with the right type of dentist who can help move those in a safe way, right? It's getting rid of those kind of those toxic assaults that could be causing the issue there. So that's one thing, right? Removing those or avoiding all that altogether. But what can what can we proactively do outside of that? Speak to me about how we can leverage how we eat, nutrition, what can, what can we actively do to start to make changes besides, you know, besides maybe finding a functional practitioner or maybe finding, maybe finding specific protocols. Is there something that we can start even thinking about when it comes to our, our cellular capacity or cellular integrity? Yeah. You know, my passion is training doctors around the world. Um, my cellular, we call it true cellular detox. And that's a passion because we need more people doing it correctly. Most people, when it comes to detox or doing it incorrectly to the point of making things worse, creating redistribution where heavy metals and other toxins cross into the brain. Line in the, in the body, right? They're just, there's nowhere for that to go. Yeah, absolutely. And it ends up crossing these protective barriers and making things worse. The only reason I know what I know is I've been through it. So when you go through it yourself, you figure things out pretty quickly. When you go online and look at what's educating people about detox, uh, it's a disaster. You know, I can briefly describe what's correct. And you could seek out one of my doctors I've trained. I mean, I, st I still take clients on myself. I do it only virtually now. I, you know, coach around the world. My goal is to teach them what I teach my doctors. Honestly, I, my goal is to teach them reason is so they can do it long enough to actually matter. But very quickly, what is real detox? Okay. We have to upregulate cell function. We already made that argument. But you also have to use real chelators and binders. So when we upregulate cell function, the cell will start moving toxins out, but we don't want them to redistribute into other tissues like the brain. So we use a product called Cytodetox, which it's a super strong binder that has the ability to go into those membranes, by the way, grab these toxins in the ones that the cell pushes out. The Cytodetox acts as a vehicle to make sure that you get rid of the toxin all the way out of the body so you don't reabsorb it. Here's the other problem. Many of them make their way to the liver and then it binds to the bile, which you need to digest fat. That bile carries the toxins into the gut. Here's the bad part. Your body's designed to reabsorb the bile to reuse it for digesting fat, but it brings the toxins back around with it to the liver. It's called auto-intoxication. That creates more redistribution. So years ago, I established the fact that we upregulate cell function. We use a vehicle to bring the toxins from the cell out of the body, but we need a gut binder that just stays in the gut and grabs that toxic bile complex and pulls it out of the body so you don't reabsorb it and auto-intoxicate. So that process is what I've coined true cellular detox. And Again, I, you can read more about it on my site. We even have a way that you can, I, you know, on my website to find a practitioner that's on my website. So I, I would recommend that because you need to be taught the process. We can all learn this process and have this learning and utilize this for the rest of our lives because I still do cycles of what I call brain phase. Me, my process, there's a preparatory phase where we prepare the cell and the downstream pathways. There's a body phase where we just clear the easy to get toxins. And then there's the brain phase. That's how I got my life back and thousands of others. So we teach you that process and how to phase it so you can do it forever. And I, I you know, maybe six, seven, eight times a year, I do a brain phase still, you know, just to clear out stuff that we unavoidably 
you know, get exposed to. So, you know, it's something that you have to learn. So, that, you know, that is my advice. Now, I mean, we could, let's, you know, move the conversation to some of the dietary things that I think people can start right away, which play a big role in all of those five R's of upregulating the cell and protecting the cell. Perfect. Now, where would you, because I know, you know, I was interesting where I was just talking about fasting and how it can be pretty complicated for women, you know, how it affect, how it can impact hormones. It can, that sometimes fasting can be a stressor, so it can be difficult. Is fasting something that you consider for this? I mean, I know that fasting can be really helpful, definitely for cell autophagy and stem cell growth. So talk to me, is this one of the strategies that you consider for cellular support? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm known for fasting. I've taught it for years before it was ever popular, by the way, I, I would talk about fasting and people would just look at me, but now people are interested. Now <laughs> so people, I finally 2017, right? Since 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wrote my, my book that's coming out in, in probably a week. Um, it's called Beyond Fasting. So you can go to beyondfastingbook.com and, and uh, get it, uh, pre-order it. It really talks about everything I've learned clinically over the years of how to fast, but how to maximize the results of your fast and how we utilize it in this process of detoxification. And fasting is a part of a multi-therapeutic approach that I teach. So, okay. So uh, fasting, we're talking about optimizing hormones. How can fasting be a part of this? We already talked about cellular detox is critical to optimize your hormones, but what about fasting? First of all, let's clarify. There's intermittent fasting daily. That's when you, you know, go um, skip a meal and go maybe 15, 18, 24 hours before your next meal, right? So you're doing that daily. And I do that. I do that purposely, not every day of the week, but I do that most days where I fast at least 20 hours, honestly. And then I eat my meals in a four to six hour window. That's intermittent fasting. Huge hormonal optimization there. We know from studies, it upregulates growth hormone. It upregulates a lot of different hormones like norepinephrine that have a down regulation of inflammation. It, your cells become more sensitive, even in a 15-hour fast, to hormones, hormone optimization. Now, can we take it to the next level with longer fasts? Studies show, yes. So part of my protocol is periodically bringing people through five-day fasts. For years, I've talked about, we've utilized five-day fasts. Even before recently now, they show five days just seems to be this you know, perfect number where we optimize all of these results from fasting. So clinically, we just saw that it takes about three days to start breaking through and getting the results of a fast. So day four, people go, oh, I finally feel good, you know, and we know that they kind of hit this sweet spot. So we always carried it over for one more day. Now, what studies recently show is uh, the first three days, you're fat adapting your body shifting over to its fuel as being fat as its number one source. And the brain starts utilizing something called ketones, which when you burn fat, you make ketones because your brain can't use the fat like your body cells, but your brain cells can use these ketones. So it takes about three days for people to hit that stride. So day four, we have max autophagy happening. What that means is, and this is one of the big benefits of a fast, during a fast, many of you would say, well, aren't I starving? Don't I need nutrition? Uh, no, and yes, your body does need nutrition, but it gets it. It's so smart. It gets it from breaking down 
all of the bad cells in your body. So that in itself is a detox. It's called autophagy. 2016 Nobel Prize was given to the man who discussed and discovered autophagy for how it works in health. But what happens is your body starts eating these bad cells that have bad DNA that are mismalfunctioning, and it utilizes those for the nutrition that it needs. And we see that max happening on about day four of a fast where the body's just crushing these bad cells. Now, something more miraculous happens when it gets rid of the bad cells. It upregulates its own stem cells to replace them with new healthy cells. And that, that happens max on day five. So that's why periodically doing these five-day fasts, and, and there's different ways to fast. There's partial fasting where we just limit the calories to five to 800 and get the protein under 20 grams. That's called a partial fast. Uh, Walter Longo made this popular with his prolone diet where it's here's the food for five days to eat, right? And someone's probably discussed that on your show. But there's also water fasting which you just do water, which we can progress people towards, where you get this massive amount of autophagy, where the body's just getting rid of all of these bad cells. And by the way, when this happens, it resets your immune system. So many people with hormone problems have autoimmune, where the body's creating its own inflammation and attacking itself. Well, okay, so if you take what I just taught you, and uh, let me give an explanation of why this affects your immune system and ultimately your hormones. So when I taught fasting in the 90s, literally, people would say, well, fasting is bad for your immune system because we look at the white blood cell drop and it puts you at risk for infection and all these bad things. And we would just say, well, clinically, we see the opposite. We see people's immune system gets better, but we couldn't explain it scientifically. A lot of Walter Longo's work gave us the answer. And what's happening is this autophagy the body's eating these hyperactive immune cells, you know, where they're hyperactive, creating the food allergies, the food intolerances, the autoimmune. It's getting rid of those. And then it upregulates the stem cells and it creates new naive cells that aren't overreactive. And so we see this take place. And that's some of the magic of fasting. And then again, during these five-day fasts, your cells get so sensitive to the hormones. We get such an upregulation of growth hormone and your cells start hearing your thyroid hormone again. So periodic fast, as I teach it, you get more hormone sensitive, you get more hormone optimization, you get more autophagy, getting rid of the bad cells and upregulating the good cells. So over time, your body heals naturally. I am a major proponent for fasting and I do love the idea of a five day. I, I, we've done prolong a bunch of times here in, at my, at my house, my husband and I, and we have done, we've only done one water fast. It's, 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 you know, five days of water. It's, it's a psychological experience, right? Like you really gotta, you gotta psych yourself into it. I think we've always opted for the like 600 to, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. Like when I eat, like when I do partial fasting and I've taught it for years, I struggle more because I don't like to slow down. Like when I'm eating, I, it's like harder for me to stop. So water fasting is easier for me. However, with that said, psychologically, it's much harder. So therefore, we typically start people on that prolonged uh, diet or a partial fast. A of partial something. fast, yeah. Them. For the reason you said, it's, it's a little bit more psychologically hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
But it's the thing. Now, just really quickly, I know you've been running these case studies for quite some time. Should women be concerned at all about like a a five day water fast or anything past intermittent fasting? Um, I didn't know if there, if, because I know right now a lot of research doesn't necessarily study women who are not obese or who have a lot of adipose tissue to lose. And so, in your experience with the work that you have done, and women of any age, childbearing age, perimenopause. I mean, clearly it's at perimenopause that I start to see the weight loss resistance. I start to see the failure of hormone issues. And this is because I think like we talked about, that bucket is really starting to get full. That's kind of when everything hits the fan. I know that when I was heading into perimenopause, that's when things were hitting the fan for me. And because my cells were like, we are, we are over this. We, we're, we're at our tipping point. And so can I just want to hear a little bit about the kind of some reassurance around. I think I've had great success with that, but I know I can see how women could be a little bit concerned. Yeah, look, I, I did Bulletproof uh, Conference this year and Paleo FX, uh, big low-carb uh, people groups. I taught even low-carb in intermittent daily fasting. There has to be a different strategy for women, period, I believe. Definitely women in perimenopause, definitely women with thyroid and adrenal. So I think I have a lot of people's attention. There is a strategy that I've learned over time. When I went to Africa, you know, they, they fast. The women fast, uh, the, the kids fast, the men fast, uh, equally alike and are successful. In this country, <laughs> it's a little different story. I would agree that women, especially with the conditions I just mentioned, do struggle with low-carb diets long-term. They do struggle with intermittent fasting and fasting. So what do we do about it? Let me give you some hardcore tips right now. Get your pen and pencil ready because this is important. So there's a principle that I talk a lot about called diet variation. And ladies, this is a key to fasting success for you. So there's monthly strategies and weekly strategies and seasonal. So let me start with seasonal. My my wife, when she went low carb in ketosis, she and my wife's thin and apparently you know looks very healthy, but she was in perimenopause. So she wasn't breaking into ketosis. Her numbers were always horrible when she was measuring her morning ketones. And it was always a struggle for her. She was always hungry. She just wasn't fat adapting, even though she was thin, but the thin and fat on the outside doesn't mean she would store more fat in her organs. So don't look at the outside. Skinny women can have this problem too. So the fact was that she wasn't fat adapting. She was always having to eat. She was hormonally not using fat as energy. Four months, she was so disciplined in ketosis and lowering her carbohydrates more and more wasn't working. Took her out of ketosis and put her on a healthy, higher carbohydrate diet again. She felt better, I would say, but some of her hormone problems were about the same. We go back into ketosis months later. This time, her numbers are higher. Oh, that's weird. So I let her struggle along with that for a couple months again, broke her out of ketosis again. And then again, two months later, moved her back in a third time. This time she breaks into fat adaptation. Now her numbers are in ketosis. She's not hungry anymore. What happened? By changing her diet again and again and again, I emulated a feast famine cycle that our DNA is set up for and ancient tribes are forced to do. So I brought this to the doctors that I coach, and I said, let's try this on some of these perimenopausal women. Let's move them out in and out of low-carbohydrate diets 
And in knowing that it forces some type of adaptation, creates some type of hormone optimization. As it turned out, I was right. Dietary changes, changes the microbiome. It creates a, an adaptation. It forces the body to adapt every time we change our diet. Let me give you an example. If you do the same workout all the time, you stop getting results. Matter of fact, you start actually getting worse. We know, good trainers know, every time you change a workout, you force the body to readapt. In that adaptation, how does it adapt to the workout change? Hormone optimization. The cells become more sensitive to all the anabolic hormones. So the same thing with dietary change. When we change diet, we force an adaptation. And how does it do it? It optimizes hormones to adapt to the dietary change. So as a group, we, we did this. We started moving women in and out of low and high carb, and it worked. The problem today is everybody is stuck on their diet. You have your vegans, vegetarians, your paleo. Your, the fact is, is every ancient culture on the planet is forced to move in and out of different diets. And we know it has a major good effect on the microbiome when we do that and the hormones. Okay, that's seasonal variation. Very important, ladies. Number two is monthly. The month, the week, I should say, before your period, you have all these hormone conversions that are taking place. Guess what you need for that to occur? Insulin and even glucose to make one hormone another one. So for example, to go from T4, which is an inactive thyroid hormone, to active T3, insulin is the key. So women that are fasting a lot or are on low-carb diets for a long time, their insulin gets so low, and if there are any already have toxic issues, they struggle to make that conversion. And that's just one hormone, same with estrogen. So the point is, is that by taking five days before a woman's period, typically when they already get cravings, right? The body's that smart, they don't give them cravings for carbohydrates, and I just can't stay on my diet the week before my period. You shouldn't. That's the point is you need higher insulin and glucose levels to make the hormone conversion. So five days before the period, we put them on a healthy, higher carbohydrate diet, eating more fruits, yams, potatoes, things of that sort. The healthy. <laughs> healthy. So we do that five days. So if you're low carb the rest of the month, if you just take those five days before your period, I'm telling you hormonally, magic happens the rest of the month. Watch what happens. I promise you, it'll be huge for you. But here's the best part. You take it another step and maybe you do a partial fast for five days, another part of the month. So now we have feast, the high carbohydrates. And if you don't do well with carbs, do it with protein. Just run high protein for five days. That can, that can work too. And then later in the month, we do five days of a partial fast, feast, famine. Our DNA is set up for it. Hormone optimization blooms. Okay, lastly, weekly. So one of the things you can do, one or two days a week, ladies, this is very important. You do a high carbohydrate or a high protein day. So mine is always Saturday. I always do a high carb day on Saturday. It reminds the body it's not starving. Because if the body, if you're low carb and doing a lot of fasting, the body will go into a starvation mode. But if you feed it even once a week, you're just uh, amazing what happens. Your body hormonally will start burning fat again. But here's the other part. We want the famine side. So one or two days a week, you don't eat at all or just eat one meal. So now again, weekly feast famine. 
feast famine creates basically it forces the body to adapt and it does it by optimizing its hormones. I interviewed a scientist, Kristen Verde, and in her study, she showed for weight loss, they compared all the different diets and there's been other studies done too, low carb, low fat, all of them. What works the best is feast famine, feast famine. So I said, Kristen, why is that? Why pigging out one day and then not eating the next? Why does it work better? She said, it forces the body to adapt. And obviously it has an effect on the hormones and we're just learning about it. So feast famine cycles, weekly, monthly, seasonally, changing it up, it works. I've written, it's in my new book. There's two chapters on this, how to do it, how to, you know, I give diet plans on how to do it, but clinically it works. We just know it works, especially, it works for everybody, men included, but especially for women, especially for perimenopausal women, thyroid, adrenal cases. Honestly, the more feast days are actually needed, but you also need the famine days. I agree. I mean, I, especially when we talk about those, you know, we're all being, everyone's like famine, famine, like drop the carbs. But for women in particular, we resist wanting to let go because, I mean, we're, we're built for making babies. We're physiologically built. And so if you give your body that day of feasting, it doesn't think that we're going to literally starve ourselves. And so it is, it's tricking your body. It's that adaptation that you're talking about. I absolutely agree. I wonder women are struggling with, um, with ketosis or they're struggling with like your wife struggling with, um, with low carb, with even with fasting and they're, they're not seeing the changes that they're looking for. It's because our bodies have this innate hardwired resistance. If we're not bringing in those days into play. Yeah, you know, and we, we get it with exercise. You know, when you exercise, you're creating a stress. When you're fasting, you're creating a stress, right? And, and if your body adapts, you get stronger. If it doesn't, you get weaker, right? So you don't want to fast too much because it could create too much autophagy, and that's not good. But again, too much feasting, that's not good either. That's not good either. Well, that's, I mean, that's where we're at, right? In the, in the scheme of things. And as we're, as we're, Figuring all of this out, I feel like we're kind of at this point where it's being figured out. Thank goodness, but we we're we're finally figuring these things out, and I'm I'm so excited. Now, your book is coming out. Tell me, well, tell me about the books. The book, I, I take it, it kind of addresses not only not only fasting, clearly beyond fasting. So, how do we look at the cellular integrity? But also, you talk about this technique and how we can diversify how we eat every single week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I, I talked. The first chapter talks about basically fat adaptation, you know, and and how really to become fat adapted. But then, you know, then I I basically I give even a seven week program of how to lead up to a fast, and it applies to everybody. And then how to make this part of your lifestyle, right? I mean, this is what I do. Uh, this is what my wife does and even my children now, you know? So really it outlines what I do and how I live my life and what I've learned and, you know, teaching hundreds to well, thousands of doctors and what we do clinically for different conditions, what we do clinically to just um, optimize our hormones. And so, you know, I talk about intermittent fasting and how to use these diet variation strategies, utilizing it. It really is a guide to optimizing your hormones. I mean, I almost threw that into the title <laughs> because it really is about optimizing. That's why it works. Look, the body wants to do one thing, survive. So we're biohacking the cell when we force 
um, any type of adaptation, whether it be exercise. You know, another, another way of thinking of this is, you know, there's a lot being taught or talked about with going, you know, doing cold and hot, cold and hot. Why does that work? When we look at going into a cryo chamber or a cold bath, why does that optimize hormones? And yet that's, you know, why it works, why it downregulates inflammation, why people feel better, have this, you know, rush of, you know, epinephrine and feel amazing. Well, it, it works because of it, your body goes, I'm going to die. And then it, it optimizes, it rushes up something called norepinephrine to save its life and growth hormone. And you have this spike and because norepinephrine is way up, it downregulates inflammation and it goes into this life-saving mode and then only to realize, okay, we're okay. We get all these hormones were just optimized. Same thing happens with dietary change. It's the same thing. Your body is forced to adapt. Hot, cold, it has to adapt and it does it via optimizing hormones, whether it's exercise, hot, cold, or dietary changes. We force the body to adapt and then we, we do that by optimizing hormones. It's a biohack. It works. I love it. I think it's great. I'm so glad that you have it in a book. I love books as resources to kind of open the door for what's possible. Tell me again, Dr. Pamba, where can we get the book? What was the link that you gave us? Yeah. If you go to beyondfastingbook.com, you can get the book there. Perfect. 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 I'm going to have the, the link in the show notes. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. You gave us a lot of food for thought. And I think what we're going to need or no food, absolutely no food for thought. I'm so excited. And clearly we'll have the website, we'll have everything in there as well. But I think for, for so many of the audience walking into this, having seen that seven day plan, how we can integrate this, because that's the next step. Now that we have the big picture for how this is or what this is, you know, how do we begin to implement this into our lives with a little bit of ease and grace and listening to our bodies at the same time. So thank you so much. Wow, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. See you soon. In the last couple of weeks, fasting has come up as a solution for longevity, hormone balance, and weight resistance here on the podcast. We first had the conversation with Dr. Stephanie Estima on episode 116, pretty much just a week ago. And I am thrilled that we are able to shed more light on the powerful new development in cellular healing. That being said, we definitely need a roadmap to a new paradigm of healing. And that's what Dr. Pampa has given us in his new book and on his website. I really want you to go check out the book Beyond Fasting, a true cellular solution to a new year because it does include a step-by-step plan to become more balanced in your hormones, to increase energy, and really deal with that upstream toxicity that we talked about earlier in the show before I brought him on. And Dr. Dan Pompa did a great job of sharing his story about heavy metal toxicity and how he was able to clear that. I think that just opens up the conversation for what's possible when it comes to our toxic load. And this book is going to be a really great resource to figure out what's going on with you if toxins are a concern and how to address them head on. Now, I'm going to have a link to the book in the show notes for episode 118, or you can head to the website, drmarisa.com slash podcast, look up 118 as well, and you will find all the links there on the, on my personal website. Now, Just in case, I also want to make sure that you know that the link for my detox cheat sheet with all those recipes is in the show notes for episode 118 or it's at drmarisa.com slash detox blends. 
That way you've got a cute little resource that you can plug into that's easy to follow that you can implement as early as today. And I don't know about you, but I love it when I've got something all in one place that I can just start dialing into, making and implementing pretty much in a pretty quick manner. Well, thank you so much for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. On the upcoming episode, I am bringing on a very special guest from Australia, Melissa Ambrosini, and we're going to be chatting about mastering your mean girl because we all have that mean girl inside of us that spews negative self-talk. You know, she's just in our ear, talking whatever she's saying. And Melissa is the perfect person to talk to us about loving ourselves a little bit more and finding a way to shut that negative self-talk down, to shut down that inner mean girl that each of us have inside of us. So until the next episode with Melissa, which I am so excited about, I hope that you have an amazing, amazing day and continue to enjoy your summer. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.